Good morning, Blog Talk Radio. This is Miss Laugh-A-Lot on Blog Talk Radio. I am here to talk to Jacqueline Guest from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She's on the line here. We are going to be talking about the comic book war. And she is the author of 19 books and apparently working on 20 and 21. Jacqueline Guest, is that you on the line? Thank you for inviting me, Miss Laugh-A-Lot. You're welcome. You're so welcome, Jacqueline. It is such a pleasure to meet you. I met Jacqueline at the library last week, and honestly, I stopped dead in my tracks. I was just going there to work on some editing that I was doing, and I heard her talking to... I heard her talking, and I saw all these children in front of her. And let me tell you, I stopped dead in my tracks. I heard her talking about cosmic connections... Now, we're going to talk about her book, which I bought from her, called The Comic Book War. I've been reading this book. I'm on Chapter 7. I'm about to start Chapter 7, and I'm so enjoying it. It is so funny. The way she writes really, really connects to the readers and really connects to the child's mind. Not only that, She's connecting with history. And to connect with children on such a topic is extremely powerful. Jacqueline, why do you write and when? Well, I write, and this is the truth. I write because I want children to read. I think reading is the most important skill they are ever taught. It's the one skill they learn in school that they will use every day for the rest of their lives. They are going to read in some way, shape, or form. And yet reading is becoming almost a lost art. And so I write books for children of all ages, from grade 3, 4, right up through 94 years old. Uh, The books that I write are on a range of topics. I have books that uh, are on sports, all my favorites. I have Soccer Star. I have um, hockey books, four hockey books with girls and boys in the lead. I have basketball books with a truly amazing young man named Matthew Eagletail. But I also have teen mysteries, and these are darker issues. They are more adult issues, but written in a way that they can reach children, reach teenagers. I want uh, kids to continue to read right from the cradle to the grave. And so by having kids start with reading in elementary school, going on into high school, that mean, that just about guarantees success. But in order for kids to keep reading, we have to supply appropriate and topical books. My latest book called Firefight is a young adult book set in Banff, and it's all about a young woman who runs away from home when her grandmother dies because she's going to be sent out of the country to live with relatives. And she decides to run away to Banff and hide out in plain sight by disguising herself. But when she meets this handsome boy, he might not be the best thing for her. But, of course, teenage girls rarely see that some teenage boys are not the best thing for them. So it's a great book. Uh, Again, darker issues, more adult for teen. But I also write a series of books dealing with history, in particular Canadian history. When I was growing up, I learned more American history than Canadian history. And I thought, gee, you know, 
there's got to be more to Canadian history than the Halifax disaster, the Underground Railway, and Frank's slide. And so when I became a writer, I decided to start looking for those little-known Canadian history stories that need to be told. So I've got um, books like Bell of Batoche talking about the 1885 Northwest resistance of the Métis people in Saskatchewan. I've got secret signs about a young boy who runs away from home in Winnipeg and rides the rails in 1934 to get to Calgary, where his dad is working on the Glenmore Dam project during the Depression. I've also got ghost messages, which is all about laying the transatlantic cable in 1865 and that fantastic ship, the Great Eastern. Now that, for kids that text, tweet, use the Internet, or blog, they need to read that book because it's the roots of communication. Before that transatlantic cable was laid from Ireland to Newfoundland in 1865, you had to write a letter and mail it on a ship if you wanted to talk to your grandma in England. With the advent of that cable, your letter to your grandma, your message to your grandma, would travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, and instantly worldwide communication became a reality. And we are still living in that tsunami that was caused by that cable being laid. It was a world-changing event. And yet a lot of kids don't know about the roots of communication. Uh, another one that is meant for older kids is called Outcast of River Falls, and it's a darker book. It talks about what happened to the Métis people after 1885 when they became marginalized to the point where they have been disappeared from history. They were known as the road allowance people, and the reason they were called that is because that was where they lived. They lived in the road allowances, the ditches on each side of the road, and they lived and died in those ditches for 125 years. They were marginalized so badly that they're not in the history books now. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book that maybe will educate and enlighten kids. But the comic book horror, I must admit, is one of my favorites. I got the idea to write that book when I was at a geology lecture on the extinction of the dinosaurs. And I went out into the lobby at break, and there was the Calgary Astronomy Society with a meteorite display. I walked over, I picked up one of those meteorites, and instantly something happened. It was a high iron meteorite. I could feel my heat going into the meteorite and the meteorite reflecting that heat back, that energy back. I could feel my hand starting to warm up to tingle from that, that reflected energy. And I thought, wow, this is a piece of an exploded star. This meteorite I'm holding in my hand has been whirling around the universe since the beginning of time, and now I'm holding it in my hand. And I, I started to think about all the energy, the cosmic energy, the light energy, the energy that this little meteorite would have absorbed as it whirled through outer space for millions of years. And I started wondering, what if... Now here, this is the thing with a writer. We're always going, what if? What if we could tap in to that energy somehow. What if that energy, now energy can either be created nor destroyed. Everyone knows that. It only changes form. That's how we use wind energy or, or hydroelectric energy. We take all that kinetic energy in the wind and the water and the sun for solar energy and we convert it into a usable form. And so I thought, well, what if this cosmic energy could convert, could change, morph into something more tangible? And what if it caused a reaction somehow, such as in 
the pages of a comic book. And all of a sudden, I knew I wanted to write a book with a meteorite in it where this cosmic energy reached out and communicated with a boy. And he, the cosmic energy did it through the pages of his comic books. Now, the book Comic Book War is set in 1943 in Calgary, Alberta, and it is at the height of the war. And I know there are lots of books out there on what happened overseas during the war, the Holocaust, the fighting in the trenches, um, the hardships endured by the people and the soldiers that were fighting on both sides. But there was very little about what happened here at home. And so I thought, well, let's write this book from the perspective of a boy left behind while he has three brothers overseas fighting. Coping strategies are very necessary in today's world, just as they were in 1943. And so when Robert Turand finds this meteorite and strange things start to happen in his comic books and he believes his comic book superheroes are communicating with him, I believe this could be called a coping strategy. He worries about his brothers fighting overseas, but he can't do anything about them. And when he believes his comic book superheroes can not only show him what is happening to his brothers, but protect his brothers, this allows him to sleep at night. It allows him to go to school during the day. It gives him the strength to carry on when he knows at any second one, two, or all three of his brothers could be killed. It's a very interesting book because it talks about what happened here in Canada during the war. It talks about rationing, victory gardens, the volunteer effort. It talks about all of the different scrap drives. Now, Miss Laugh-a-Lot, you need to know that recycling is not a new concept. During World War II, recycling was in full swing. Everything was recycled. Rubber, rags, paper, metal, and fat. And it was fat that really intrigued me. Why would anyone want fat? Well, I discovered doing my research that the reason fat was collected and so vital to the war effort was that in fat, you get glycerin. From glycerin, you get nitroglycerin. And from nitroglycerin, you get gunpowder. So you can see why they need, a, they need a lot of fat to keep the war machine going. The book itself is um, built to make kids think. Because I was, when I was talking about these, these connections, these cosmic connections, I started thinking about people, people everywhere. And we are bioelectric machines. We have a measurable field around us, an electric field, a magnetic field. And I started wondering, what if, you know those strange feelings of deja vu, like we've done something before, but we couldn't possibly have done it? Or we meet somebody, and it's like we've known them forever. And I started wondering if maybe it was those fields reaching out, my field touching your field, and all of a sudden those sympathetic fields connect us. They connect us on a level we don't understand. But um, this cosmic energy, we can measure cosmic energy, but maybe this is a new kind of energy. Now, when I was growing up, there was a program on TV called Lost in Space. And the mother in that program would go over, open a box, put her food in it, close the handle on the box, press a button, and instantly that food would be cooked. That was pure science fiction in the 60s. Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. Well, we now have those magic boxes in all of our houses. They're called microwave ovens. 
We just didn't know about microwaves in the 60s. But today, we know about microwaves. And so we utilize that energy to cook our food, to heat our tea. This was an unknown resource in the 60s. Now we all know about it. So what if this cosmic connections, this cosmic energy, the energy we have within us, this electric and, and magnetic energy, what if it is critical? When kids read, they use their imagination to create the pictures in their mind that the, the text in the book instills. When they watch TV, that's all visual input. Their brain doesn't really have to do too much except process it. They don't have to imagine it. They don't have to create it in their own minds. It's all given to them visually. With books, it's, it's the opposite. They take words, and through some kind of alchemy, you create worlds in your brain. You see those characters. You see the action. This is imagination working. This is innovation that comes next. And from innovation, we have the future. But it won't happen unless kids read and start that imagination rolling so that when they grow up and become engineers and doctors and teachers, they'll be able to create the future for our children. Now, what do you think? Do you think I'm off wall here, Miss Laffalot? I think that sounds just awesome. Thank you, Miss Laffalot, because you said you were reading the book, Comic Book War, and you were laughing, you were having, enjoying the humor in it. And between you and I, not everybody gets my humor, and I put it in all my books. But if you're, if you're not rolling on a different kind of plane, you might not get my humor. So thank you for understanding my sense of humor in my writing. You're welcome. It was, and you know what I really love is that it's connecting to children, but it's also very, it's connecting to the adults. Oh, that's, that's the beauty of my books. I write almost on two levels in my books. And there are none of my books that an adult couldn't read and get something out of, especially my history books. They connect on so many levels. Because the past, you can do nothing about the past, but celebrate it, learn about it, and enjoy reading about it. And so in my books, I make sure that even adults reading my book will, will go, gee, I didn't know that, or I did not understand the background to this issue. So the books also open lines of communication between adults and young readers. And I think that's something else in our society, that connection through talking to your children, not just about cleaning up their room or do, have they done their homework or shut off the video game, but connections on a dip, deeper level. And when you've both read the same book, oh my gosh, they still need that connection to their parents. Because when push comes to shove, trust me, it doesn't matter how old your child is, they will come home and they will say, Mom, Dad, I have a problem. And for a child to be able to do that is very, very important because then they are not alone in the world. They're not adrift in the world. Knowing that their parents are there and that they can talk to their parents is vital. But those lines of communication must start when the children are young, when the children are still open to giving their fantasy about dragons and monsters when they're not afraid to bring that magic out of them and share it with their parents. Then when the kids get older, they can talk about more down-to-earth, realistic problems that they are having. What made you write the comic book war? Well, I was, I was wanting to write the third book in the Turon trilogy. The Bell of Batash was the first book, and it's the Turon family fighting 
for their rights in 1885 at Batoche. Now, my family is Métis, very proud Métis family. So they started in 1885 fighting for their rights. Then, in Outcasts of River Falls, this is what happened to the people after. It was those marginalized road allowance people. They were Métis. And so I thought, hmm, I will put the Turon family in that book, and I will set it in 1901. And then I thought, I need a third book, but I want to do a time jump. And so I jumped to 1943. Now, the characters in the book, Robert, James, George, and Patrick, those are my dad and my uncles who actually fought overseas in the war. My dad and my two uncles fought overseas in the war, and my uncle Robert was here in home in, in, Cal- in uh, Alberta. And so I thought, well, let's use my own family, and I can continue this story because it's a great vehicle. Again, opening lines of communication, connecting with my readers. So it's a great vehicle to teach about what happened here during the war, but it also gave me that platform to talk about these connections, these connections that I believe we all have. And so using that, the magic of a meteorite and a boy who is struggling with the stresses of having three brothers fighting overseas, those two just somehow went together in my mind and I thought, comic books. Comic books are a natural vehicle for kids to understand. I mean, everybody loves comic books. We call them graphic novels now, but they're comic books. And during World War II, I don't know if you know this, Miss Laugh-a-Lot, during World War II, there was something called the War Measures Act. And what that act said was that comic books, like Superman and Batman, were not allowed into Canada. During the war, periodicals such as comic books did not cross the border. They were not essential to the war effort. All of a sudden, there is no comic books for kids to read. Now, this is a big thing in the 40s because there was not a TV in every house. That was a rarity. There wasn't even telephones in every house. So to have the one, that one form of magical you know, escape, the comic books, to be taken away from kids, that was a big deal. So instantly, and this actually happened, instantly during World War II, the Canadian comic book industry sprang up overnight. And we had superheroes of our own. We had Johnny Canuck. We had Captain Canada. We had Nelvana of the Northern Lights. And Canadian kids had Canadian superheroes in Canadian comic books that they could read. Now, incidentally, Nelvana of the Northern Lights was a female superhero. But she wasn't just a female superhero, Miss Laffalot. She was the female superhero. She was the first female superhero in the world, and she was Canadian. Before Batwoman, Catwoman, Superwoman, there was Nelvana of the Northern Lights, and she was Canadian. I think we should all be very proud of that. Now, these were, these were kind of special comics. They had full-color covers which was beautiful, just like the Americans. But when you opened the covers, inside were black line drawings on white paper because we couldn't afford the offset presses that the Americans had for printing their comic books. It was the war. It was too expensive and they weren't around. And so they became known as Canadian whites because of the white pages in them. But these Canadian whites, I'll tell you, they if you have one in your basement, you've probably got your retirement money made for you. Those things are valuable. I went to Ottawa to do my research to see an actual Canadian white in the National Archives. I got down there. I was all excited to see this real Canadian white from the 
you know, 39, 40, 41. And the day I got there, the archivist was sick, and they didn't allow me in to see <laughs> my Canadian comic book. So I went all the way to Ottawa and did not get to see the comic book. However, once the war was over, the Canadian government opened the borders. And immediately, Superman came swooping in and crushed the Canadian comic book industry. So for a few very brief years, we had our own Canadian superheroes. Uh, It was known as the golden age of Canadian comics, but only for a very few years. And I thought, I would love kids to know about this. So I had now three elements that I wanted to put together, the perfect storm, if you will. I had the Turon saga. I wanted to talk about World War II and what happened here at home. I had the comic books that were stopped at the border, this, this War Measures Act that caused such hardship for our kids, no comic books. And I had these cosmic connection idea, this idea that we are all connected on some level that we don't understand yet. And I wanted to put that in the comic book or in uh, the comic book war. And so for me, it was just weaving it together in such a way that it made sense that it taught the kids a little bit uh, between the lines, and that it made an entertaining read. Because first and foremost, I'm a novelist. Story must come first. And no matter how much I know on the topic that I'm writing, I can't put it all in my stories, or they would be 600 pages long and boring as uh, a textbook. So, (laughs) So I try to make sure that it's exciting, and there's humor in it, and there's a little angst, and that it's written at the appropriate uh, level for the students that I'm aiming for. Thank you very much, Jacqueline Guest. (laughs) Author, (laughs) Calgarian author, Jacqueline Guest, coming at you on Blog Talk Radio here on www.blogtalkradio slash Miss Laugh-A-Lot. Thank you, Miss Laugh-A-Lot. This has been a blast. Oh, yeah. Wow. Apparently I can really talk when you get me going. (laughs) 